London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Wednesday, halfway to the weekend, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, and thanks for spending some of your morning here with us as we talk sports with you. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. In 15 minutes or thereabouts, we will preview the NL wildcard game tonight. From a Cardinal perspective with our friend Brian Walton from the CardinalNation.com, it's cards and dots. Dodgers tonight, winner goes on to San Francisco. The lunar loser puts the equipment away for the year, and we'll see you next spring. Brian Walton at 1015 CardinalNation.com. We are going to discuss Penn State and Iowa from a Penn State perspective. Looking forward to catching up with or to meeting for the first time. Nabias Wilborn, who covers Penn State football for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Kind of a weird beat for him. Penn State football, mm-hmm. Duquesne and Robert Morris hoops. Well, it doesn't have to make those long winter trips. That's true. From Pittsburgh so there's to something State College. to be said for that. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, that's that's his beat anyways. But we're going to talk. We will save the hoops for another time. Yes. Uh, Penn State football, front and center at 1030 with Nabias Wilborn. Looking forward to that conversation from a Penn State perspective. That was last time Penn State lost. We were that last year. The Hawks were the, the last team to beat Penn State. Oh, yeah. Yeah, got on a run after that. And of course, the runs continued right through into 2021. They uh, and got payback on the mind. They do, Trent. Buckle up. Yeah, payback worked well in 2009, didn't it? <laughs> what a game. Oh, Boy, that was a fun season. Uh, 10.50, Kenny White. Off to Vegas we will go. Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com. He's got a handful of games uh, to preview with us. We look forward to doing that. Wednesday means David Kaplan is here. Uh, a lot on the Bears, obviously. That will lead things off. Maybe a cue or two on the Cubs. A lot of White Sox. Uh, you know, the Cubs po- off-season, hot stove. No, Maybe. no, no, no. We got tons of bear stuff. No, I know. We're going to talk mostly stuff. about that. Mostly about. I do want to bring up the fact, though, because uh, Cappy, did he not tell us that there's no way any of these Cubs are coming back? Didn't he say that? Pretty much, yeah. And then yesterday, Matt Snyder said he's heard that there's a chance that Javi Baez is a Cub again. That's the only way I want to go with them. Mm-hmm. I don't have any more to say about the Cubs. They're That's done. good enough. Yeah, they're done. White Sox, on the other hand, they've got Houston, which should be a rock fight. Yeah. I am looking forward to that series. Boy, this one good. Even Brewers and the uh, and the Braves uh, has got a chance to be good. Uh, and then what? Oh, Mitch Holtis. That's what. 11.30. The voice of the Kansas City Chiefs will help us with, I don't know, is it the game of the week? Feels like it. Bills, Chiefs? It's, if it's not, huh. show me a better one. I Yeah, because that's got five star written mm-hmm. all over that one. All right, we'll get into the uh, wild card wrap-up from last night in the American League. You know, I saw a disturbing story last night on Twitter um, about the Athletic. Ah. And the fact that they are hemorrhaging money. Hemorrhaging money. Well, two things about this. First... Look at the source. Moving past that. Comes from Clay Travis. Yep. Feels like he has an but, axe to grind. Well, he might, but on, on the other hand, just to, to be fair to him, I have no idea who he is. Um, he used to be on these very airwaves. Now he's over on the WHO airwaves. Clay Travis did the morning show on Fox National. 
Okay. Yeah. Now, no, I know he's got, he's got a ton of Twitter followers. Yeah, and, took and, over Rush Limbaugh's spot. Ah, uh, that Clay Thomas. Yes. Clay I Travis. know I do know who you mean. I yep. do know who you mean. Okay. Regardless of who he is. Um, a provocateur. Yep. He's made a, made a living being yes. a provocateur. Good for him. This isn't the first time I've seen this, though, because mm-hmm. they have kicked the tires on a possible sale a couple of times yep. and seemingly was close with, remember, the New York Times mm-hmm. was one of them. Um, my point being is, if the Athletic can't make it, what can? With the pay model. With the pay model, right? Sure. Because look at the talent that they have assembled over there. I know a lot of folks think that they write for a living. They're not talented. They are talented. Yes. They, they, they're very good writers. They don't get to that spot. Um, and, and they've got some big, big names who I have to think are making a fair chunk of change. Sure. Who have uh, who have risen to a point in their career that they can command, or certainly they could have commanded more so. Um, but probably six figures, right? Some of these guys over there. So when this was all put together, this was not something where they knew they were going to be making money right away. No, they started small. Yes, Athletic Chicago was the first mm-hmm. one I can remember. There was many Canadian cities were uh-huh. an initial part of Good that. Good point. There were yes, but as they really started to grow, what probably three years ago when it really started mm-hmm. to balloon up, even at that time. It was never, we're not making money right now. We mm-hmm. know that. This is a long-term play. And you look at the people that have financed it, that have invested in yeah. it. They knew initially that this was what it's going to be. They show in that uh, what image that was tweeted out by Clay Travis, showed that by 2023, two years, they do expect to turn a profit. Be profitable, right. That is even earlier than some of the initial talk was. I remember it being more towards that 2025 mm-hmm. range. That they thought they were going to be profitable. So, but the subscriptions, the subscription-based model. There's always a sale going on, right? But if people aren't, and everybody teach their own, I get that. It's it's that's not what this model is, though. It's not about get them in at any price. It's the auto renew because right. there's so many people that just won't cancel it, right? And that's how you do it. And that's they have your credit card information, yeah, and they're good to go, and right. they're happy. So that's what this model is about. Is you keep that but it's retention. four bucks a month. Well, you, you keep them in at four bucks or two bucks or whatever. Uh huh. But ultimately, you have their credit card number. Right. And that's and the you, they'll bang it one. They can bang it once a year. Look yeah. to a to a different in a different area of this discussion. This is Sports Illustrated. This is the sporting news. Mm-hmm. This is this is. What you look, going back, this was what you used to run to your mailbox for. This high is this good. High-end sports writing. Right, exactly. And if they can't make it, what can? Where are we going? Everything free. Everything free. Well, how and did, you just got to do it as freelancer. Because they don't have any commercials on their site. That's one. Right. That's, that's one of the. Uh, you're not going to click on something and, and a pop up's going to appear. Mm-hmm. That would. That's one of the um, benefits of, of subscribing. Other than the great writers and they cover every team. So where are their expenses, Trent? The salaries yes. and the travel for the writers to go to and cover the game, which they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Doc's at uh, Doc's on the road last Friday in Maryland. He's right. on the road. Um, you know, all these guys are. But how many subscribe? Didn't they hit a million subscribers? Oh, I thought it was even higher. Than I think that. it is too. Yeah, but I, at, I can't at, remember off. So they're making four million a month. Yeah, at minimum. At minimum. Yeah, that's got to pay a lot of salaries. A lot, but what do they have? Two hundred writers. I guess probably, and then you got editors, and you have IT people, and that's a lot of employees mm-hmm. to make this work. In order to make this come to fruition, five hundred employees. Is that fair? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'll take your seems legit. So that adds up very quickly, and it's not just salary, but then uh-huh. it's dental and vision and healthcare and on and on and well, on. Well, do they provide that? Do you think? I would think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I that that's a good so. chunk. That I mean, that that's a, that's expensive. So they got to get more subscribers. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Because if they if they can't make it, where are we going to get our sports news? We'll find a way. It'll always be out there. And you think that the, you think that the way is going to be just listen to us on the radio. Well, we when we certainly hope that you continue to do that. Yes, yeah. Um, we, we'll see. That dawned on me last night, man. If they can't make it, because this is as good as um, as we've seen mm-hmm. recently. This this is what we thought was the future, and looks like we may be wrong again. All right, wild card game from last night. Uh, I mean, clearly the biggest play of the game was was Aaron Judge being yeah. thrown out at, at the home plate. That looked as though the momentum was starting to swing. How about Rizzo? Uh, Rizzo. Um, how about Schwarber's home run? By the yes. way, yes. Oh my God! Balls. And him, John, over at the dugout, and yeah. getting the guys fired yeah. up. Oh, but the ball was out of the strike zone. <laughs> yes. So it was out of the strike zone. Look, Garrett Cole had not been good. I watched mm-hmm. his. I don't know if it was his last performance. Whenever he either his last of the time before that against the Jays, Jays kicked the crap out of him, mm-hmm. uh, and that carried over. This is not the same guy. Garrett Cole is one of the best pitchers in the game. Um, and Aaron Boone yanked him after two and a third. But Phil Nevins, guy, the guy today that, I mean, I don't know when he's going to be called into the office, but once that has to happen, don't you think? I mean, somebody's got to pay the price for that. And he was the guy that sent Aaron Judge, who was out by eight or ten feet, instead of second and third with one out. You know, you don't know. And obviously it's easy to say here today because Judge was thrown out by eight or ten feet. Um and if the, and if the relay's not absolutely precise, maybe the run scores, and maybe Phil Nevin's a hero here today. But uh, that wasn't the case. Xander took the ball. Hernandez fields it, throws it to the cutoff man. In this case, Xander Bogarts, who threw a strike. Is there anything more devastating as a fan than that too? Where it feels like you're on the precipice, you're on the cusp, and a guy just gets gunned down, and it's not a bang bang play. No, it wasn't a bang bang. But he's just. Absolutely plucked there, and there's nothing you can do. Aaron Boone didn't move, didn't go to his ears, you know, put on the headset mm-hmm. and look at the replay. It never even crossed his mind. He knew where he was out by 10 feet. Feels like Wendell Kim was there. Remember Wendell Kim for the Cubs? Yeah, uh, yeah He was yeah. always sending yeah. guys. He was just terrible. He just, time in and time out, guys. Wasn't would be, he with the Giants? Too? Yeah, he was all over yeah. the place. Kept getting jobs. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. But he kept getting jobs because mm-hmm. as a third base coach, got a lot of guys that were killed at the play. That one, though... One aspect going into the game was just Fenway. And it jumped into my head last night. We talk about home field advantage in football. Mm -hmm. Home court advantage in basketball. But in playoff baseball, compared to regular season to what you get there, is there a bigger leap forward? Is there a bigger advantage being at home? And I'm not talking about sleeping in your own bed, that part of it. right? But just in terms of the crowd. Or it can go the other way. Where when things are not going well and that murmur in a home ballpark as your team is getting shut down, you're down 4 nothing. it doesn't feel like you have a hope. Home field, just in general, in the playoffs, it's just such a different aspect. Basketball, you're loud. Hockey, you're loud. Football, you're loud. Baseball. Well, you're right on top of the play, too. It- it's you, you hear some of that negative energy really start to mm-hmm. seep in. Or the positive energy mm-hmm. and what that could do. I love Garrett to, Chance last night from the Red Sox fans. You know, I I know Kenny White's mostly football, but I wonder baseball, playoff baseball, if he does anything different with home field or if it's just it's just 
It's an algorithm. We just put it together. Well, it's not a factor in the NFL. It's like 500 so far in the NFL through four weeks or three. How far are we into it? Four weeks into it. It's like 50-50. Home Mm -hmm. team wins 50% of the time. And and what did he tell us last week? That in his power rankings, three points is not a home field, automatic home field part of the number when he comes up with that point spread anymore. It's like, what, just a point and a half? Point and a half. Something like that. That's what the average is. Chris Anders at the South Point says he's at 1.6. That's Mm -hmm. the average and he's got multiple teams that don't have a home field mm-hmm. advantage in his rating system anymore. By the way, did you see what Points Bet came up with last night? They let they let some people come up with their own bet. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen them do that in the past too. Well, That's did fun. you see what um, I think his name is Carmen DeFalco? Oh, from over in Chicago, right? And he's got a tie to KXNO, by the way. He does. Yes, he wanted. Um, That's a bad story. He, he wanted to work with me after Brinson left. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, we talked on the phone. He just didn't know anything about Iowa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, want to talk Cubs all the time? Great. Uh, White Sox? Sure. You're no. good in June and July and August. Right. After but, that? Uh, yeah. Um, but he came up with this bet, parlay, and you have to hit them both, mm-hmm. Rizzo and Schwarber to Homer. Oh, wow. And it was plus 900. That home run also... No, more than that. It was more than that. Was it? I think it was 12 to 1, something like that. But still, that was his... That's a pretty good bet. That is. That's very creative. And that Stanton home run was important for the people that had the total at 8. It was either 8 or 8.5, depending on where you're betting, betting mm. it. Home run, you got to push if you're at 8. Do you see Stanton, or John Sterling's call? Oh, yeah. You know what, Trent? I'm surprised how many people came to his defense... He's calling it on a monitor. Cut him some slack. Well, what are you watching it on? You're watching it on the same thing he watched. On. What did you see? Not a home run. Not a home run. Though, you saw Hernandez field the ball and throw it to second yeah. base. Well, he's getting his gyrations going, and you've seen him. So he... I was wondering, did he look away? Was he standing Probably. up? Was he high-fiving somebody? in? Because the... clearly he looked away from the yes, monitor. absolutely. Because if he would have been watching the monitor, he would have seen what the world saw. What did he say? What did I miss? What what did I do? What, what did, did I, I miss? <laughs> oh my God! Look, uh, the, the John Sterling's a great play-by-play guy. We love his calls. We love his calls. Uh, the, the the home run calls are are legendary. But he he kicked the crap out of that one because he wasn't watching. That's all plain and simple. If you would have been watching the monitor like we were. You would have called what you saw on the monitor like we did. Anyways, uh, Brian Walton coming up. On the St. Louis Cardinals and the Los Angeles Dodgers tonight. Well, one dog, uh, one favorite rather, went down in flames. Could we possibly see back-to-back favorites on back-to-back nights in these wild cards go down? It sure seems unlikely when you're talking about the Dodgers. But Max Muncie isn't going to play, uh, and that's going to be a factor because he had such a good season. You know, he's the. I think he's the MVP of that Dodgers team. I really do. Uh, and they've got a lot of dudes, but man, oh man, seemingly every single time when he needed, uh, when this team seemed to need a jump start, it was there. Max Muncy was the guy that was doing it. Let's talk about these St. Louis Cardinals with our friend Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, thank you for coming on. Trenton Ken, well, we saw one underdog win in the American League. Can a lightning strike twice? Of course it can. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, you know, the Boston Red Sox have really uh, shown that uh, a team that uses all 26 men, maybe without as many big stars as the Yankees had, mm-hmm. you know, can, can hang in a long season and you know, win the big game when it counts. And there's a familiarity with that statement because that seems like the St. Louis Cardinals in a nutshell, does it not? 
It really does. You know, I, as we talked about uh, the beginning of sept- end of August, beginning of September, we pretty much figured this team was toast, and mm-hmm. they put that impressive 17 game winning streak together against some very very good opponents. And uh, you know that winning streak is over now, but they've you know you know got the regulars kind of back in, and everybody's rested, but supposedly ready to go. So. You know, in a one-game series, I think that's the way you want to face the Dodgers. Uh, it's granted, it's not going to be easy against Max Scherzer, but Adam Wainwright has been exceptional this season. Well, one-game playoff, we know it's going to be a quick hook. We saw it last night, yeah. of course, with Garrett Cole, and I thought even with Evaldi taking him out after an infield single and gave I, up. Yeah, you know what? I was with I'm with you there, Trent. Yeah. I thought Cora was was too quick. What about the slack here tonight for Wainwright? How quick the hook? How much slack in this rope, if you will, is Schilt going to give him? I, you know, Adam Wainwright is known to have a mistake here or there, give up a home run or whatever. I think it's really important for the offense to somehow find a way to scratch a couple of runs against Scherzer mm-hmm. and give him some breathing room. Because, you know, if it's a, if it's a game where the Cardinals are behind or it's a tie game, then certainly the leash on Wainwright is going to be shorter. But I know Mike Schilt wants to stay with him if he can, just because that's how he's been over time. Wainwright's been the horse. But Dakota Hudson and Miles Michaelis are reportedly going to be available, as well as Jack Flaherty and P.K. Kim. So there's potentially four other guys with recent starting experience that could be brought in behind Wainwright. So the pressure will be on Mike Schilt to try to push the right buttons at the right time. So Max Muncy's not going to play. Does that mean, and how about this for an irony of all, all ironies, Albert Pujols is at first base, and, and if, uh, I mean, what if, I guess, what if it's Pujols in a big spot against the club that, you know, that drafted him, that uh, brought him into the majors and, and made him Albert Pujols, or certainly jump-started his career. He had the talent, obviously, to do it. But how about that? How ironic would that be? Will it be Pujols at first base with, with Muncy on the shelf? Quite possible. And Albert's mostly played against left-handed pitching, but, mm. you know, when you're down, uh, you know, you look for the guys with experience, and certainly Albert Pujols is more than playoff tested. And that's the kind of scenario you'd love to see in the postseason, right? Uh, Albert Pujols against Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, his friends, his longtime teammates. That kind of drama, you, you, know, you can't make up. <laughs> you so, can't. you know, if, if I'm Davey, I'm going to put him in my lineup. Speaking of the lineup, uh, take us through how you think this thing's going to play out Announcement will probably come out what early afternoon. We'll see the official one here. But Cardinals one through eight. What are they going to look? Yeah, like? is there a decision to make? I don't really think there is. I mean, uh, Edmundo Sosa is back. Uh, Yadier Molina is back. The lineup's been pretty standard. What we mm-hmm. saw at the end of the season is what we'll see. Now, Harrison Bader's played very well, and you know he's a guy that could be the the leadoff man long term. But Tommy Edmund and Dylan Carlson have been the guys on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, you have Goldschmidt and. The sensation this year, Tyler O'Neill, yes, when he geez. was slotted into that fourth spot between Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, that's when the team really took off. And granted, there were other factors as well, but I think Tyler O'Neill is a guy that, you know, he might be the new, you know, budding star who emerged in this year's playoffs. Who knows? And then, of course, you know, you, like I said, you've got Bader, Molina, uh, the cat, uh, Edmundo Sosa, you know, bringing up the rest of the lineup. Uh, go ahead, Trent. Well, you mentioned how Flaherty that had thrown. I think on Sunday, I didn't see it. Where is he at velocity-wise? And as a reliever, how does he fill through? Not just this game, but looking for it. If they do find a way to get it done tonight, is he just strictly a one-inning guy, a little more long relief if need be? What, look Going forward, looking at Flaherty and what he is right now. No, I think Hudson and Michaelis are your are your long guys. 
Flaherty hasn't thrown more than an inning. He, to answer your question, it's been in the low 90s. Okay. Uh, but, you know, he can pitch. He can locate those mm-hmm. pitches well. And I think, you know, he's a guy that could come in in a tough situation to get two or three uh, key outs. But, again, Hudson and Michaelis, I suspect, will be the long guys tonight. Brian, I know that uh, that these two teams played in September, and they I want to say they split the series. Uh, it was early September. Uh, the fact that they've re- they've seen each other recently, does that, uh, does that give um, – I mean, more insight because you can scout. I mean, you can. You always got these scouting reports, right? But the fact that they've played recently, and the and the Cardinals know that they were able to take a couple of that four game set with the Dodgers. I think the latter point is a key one, Ken, and that is the Cardinals know they can play with the Dodgers. And yeah, they you know they won all those games, twelve more games of the Cardinals. But that doesn't matter anymore. Now it's down to one one game, and yeah, uh-huh. they have the home field advantage. But the Cardinals have played well in Los Angeles in the past. But you know, in terms of scouting, let's face it. What Max Scherzer is going to throw, what Adam Wainwright is going to throw, you know, we've known that for 15 years. So, you know, there's not going to be any real surprises in terms of ahas that that these uh, lineups are going to see. They're going to see two very, very good pitchers, and if they're on their game, the two of them, I mean, we could see a one-to-nothing kind of game. Like, you know, when when, uh, Chris Carpenter, uh, you know, went against the Phillies back in uh, whatever it was. Well, one's trying to repeat as champions. The other one uh, was as hot as anybody in the month of September. I think it's going to be a good game, Brian. Do you feel that way, too? I really do. You know, again, just given given the kind of year that the Cardinals put together in that last month and the kind of momentum they have, the kind of confidence they have uh, going in, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be a pushover. And, you know, in one game, as we saw with the Red Sox and Yankees, yep. You know, all the stats and all the numbers and all that don't matter anymore. It's, you know, who can who can step up in the big moments. And the Cardinals have done that recently. Yeah, they certainly have. Well, it's going to be fun. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, if it does end tonight, uh, thank you for what you did for us during the regular season. We will uh, look forward already to next year. Uh, but if indeed the beat goes on, we'll talk to you at some point during the Giants and the Cardinals. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, sincere thank you. Appreciate it. Hope to talk to you again next week. Absolutely. Us too. Take care. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Yeah, I hope the Cardinals advance. Why not? Yes. A little local flavor. Sure. Not a bad thing. Not so. Have you been to the new bush? Yes. You have. I haven't been to that one. The old one. Probably five years ago. Was it? Yeah, something like that. It was mm-hmm. a little while back. And mm-hmm. not everything of Ballpark Village was complete. They were still working oh, on some things. Oh, was that right? That is so much fun. We didn't even get in the ballpark till like bottom of the third. <laughs> really? You didn't have to leave, right? Well, yeah, because we got there, wanted to be there a couple hours early. It turned out to be traffic and everything. By the time we parked, it was an hour, maybe 55 uh-huh. minutes away from first pitch. Hey, let's go check it out. Stop here. Stop there. Uh, game started. Well, look at this. We can watch it anywhere we want here. Right. And after the third or fourth bar, all right, now we'll go into the ballpark. They're playing the Marlins, so. Oh, yeah, didn't miss anything. No, no, no. Didn't miss anything. All right, you won't miss uh, our, we're going to talk some Penn State football coming up. Looking forward to uh, that conversation. That will be next as we will talk uh, to Nabias Wilbon. He covers Penn State for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, that coming up next, Kenny White will head to Vegas in about, oh, 25 minutes or thereabouts as we take you until noon on Des Moines Sports station 1460 KXNO and 106. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and 
Condon, welcome back. 1460 on the AM dial, 106.3 FM. We are Des Moines Sports Station. Here until noon, we'll go to Vegas in 20 minutes with Kenny White from KennyWhiteSports.com, as promised. Let's talk Penn State, Iowa, shall we? Nabias Wilborn covers uh, the Nittany Lions for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and Nabias joins us. Nabias, uh, Trent Condon, who you spoke with, this is Ken Miller. Thank you for coming on and giving us a few minutes on what we feel is the game of the week in college football. How are you, Nabias? Man, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for the beer, and uh, good to hear you guys in Des Moines, man. Now it's good to talk to you. So, uh, the last time that this team lost was at the uh, was at the hands of the Hawkeyes. They beat them. They haven't lost since. It was such a weird year, right? I don't know how you can take a look at 2020 and not put a great big asterisk beside the entire year when it comes to well, more than sports, quite honestly. But how is this team different than the 2020 edition, Tobias? Um, well, yeah, they're different in every way. They're more bonded together. I mean, you know, remember last year you had all the COVID protocols. They basically had like three to four different locker rooms where they were changing in. Mm. They couldn't meet in person last year. They had a new offensive coordinator, Kirk Siraka, who has since departed from Mike Yurkich, but Kirk didn't have a chance to install his offense in person. Um, quarterback Sean Clifford didn't throw to one of his best receivers, Parker Washington, who is a freshman whose name you probably heard a lot over the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. until maybe like a week before their first game against Indiana. Mm. All right. Yeah, those. You look at the offensive line. Oh, I'm sorry. Go I was going to say, yeah, those are two pretty good reasons. Keep <laughs> yeah. going. Yeah, I mean, and let's see. Start with, uh, you know, that guy, number 11 for the Dallas Cowboys, Michael Parker. <laughs> yeah, he was, well, yeah. He, he was supposed to play for Pitt State last year yeah. and had to opt out. Uh, that tight end for the Steelers, um, Pat Friedman, well, he got injured. Uh, Penn State was down to their third string running back by the first end of the first quarter of the Indiana mm-hmm. game. You had Noah Kane go out with an injury. And Journey Brown, it was determined that he had to medically retire due to a heart condition that they say isn't COVID-related. So you're down to your third-string running back who was a freshman who probably wasn't supposed to play at all. Oh, yeah, he had injuries on the offensive line, defensive line. I mean, you know, I don't want to take up all the segment with all the woes of that 0-5 start, including that bludgeoning that the Iowa team gave Penn State at Beaver Stadium, which, by the way, as I'm sure you guys with the games last year, those empty Big Ten stadiums oh, yeah. so weird, man. Brutal. Jeez. We don't have that, and you're not going to see that on Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. That thing will be banged out and looking forward to what should be none, another incredible one. You know, here in Iowa, Iowa-Penn State, it resonates. It's There's no trophy on the line, but you know what? It feels like a rivalry game without it being a rivalry mm-hmm. game. They're separated by 800 miles, but it feels big. From a Penn State perspective, how do they look at this series? How do they look at the last two decades or 25 years since they joined the Big Ten when they think of Iowa as a Big Ten opponent? Well, I mean, you know, they're shared, they're shared the same division. I mean, this is obviously, as you well know, you know, Ohio State runs it right now. Yeah. All right? Everybody's trying to chase after Ohio State, okay? You know that. We mm-hmm. know that. You know, those boys in Columbus, they are what they are. They are what they have been. Penn State has been nipping on the heels of Ohio State, other than last year, which – if you look at where Penn State now, you'd have to pretty much consider it a blip based upon that 0-1-5 start, including an embarrassing loss in Nebraska. You know, won't even go there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know you guys are very familiar with those. Uh, uh-huh. But, you know, but no, it's, it's a legit game. I mean, it's one of those that the game's awfully close. Obviously, the 6-4 game, 
You go on down the line when these two teams play, it matters. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I mean, these are two teams that are – everybody's trying to catch Ohio State. Um, and, and Iowa is a team that's on the rise. They always are right there. They always play that same style. Kurt Ferentz, and by the way, Kurt Ferentz, you know, grew up in Pittsburgh. He's familiar with Penn State. It matters to him. Yep. He makes that known. Him and James Franklin have a good relationship, a good competitive rivalry relationship. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, this probably should be a trophy game because, like, Penn State plays a trophy game with Michigan State, the land-grant trophy, and, I mean, Michigan State hasn't really been, I would say, just from competitive on the field. Other than Ohio State, this might be the consistent best rivalry game that Penn State plays that nobody calls a rivalry, and it should be. And the two fan bases, I think, seem to share a lot of similar, similar traits as far as how serious they take it and how seriously they believe in their program. Nah, I mean, it isn't a rival game. It isn't a trophy game, but I think it's better than a lot of the trophy games. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be outstanding. Nobias Wilborn is our guest. Nobias, uh, another thing that's different is the, is the transfer from Temple. I won't attempt to say his name. His number is 17, and every time I watch Penn State, seemingly he's in the backfield making plays. He is a problem. Tell us about him. Oh, Arnold, it, 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 Ebiketti, Arnold Bedicetti, the Temple transfer. Yeah, he, he's a bad, bad man. Um, they joked with him saying, you know, this ain't Temple talking about coming to Penn State. And, of course, you know, when you play that cross-Western game, which Penn State has to play when they go up against Iowa. Because, by the way, this is one of the things that James Franklin talks about, how, how tough the East is. And then, by the way, the Western team that Penn State plays every year pretty much is Iowa. It's a tough schedule. Yeah. All right? But with um, Ebiketti, he has really been a guy. He blocked the kick. He was in on a block for another field goal. He's got sacks. He's going to give your man Petrus. Petrus better hope he doesn't see a whole lot of him because it's going to be a long night for him if uh, Ebiketti is in that backfield, as well as a guy like Derek Tangelo, who also transferred from Duke. Like One of the things about Penn State this year, they've done excellent with their transfer portal guys. Um, John Lovett, the running back, um, came from Baylor. You look at A.J. Litton from South Carolina, Johnny Dixon. I mean, they've done a good job in their portal. But definitely, Epiketti is probably the brightest star of the guys that got in that transfer report. With that, the running game. Noah Kane, I love Noah Kane. Of course, didn't get to see him uh, at the same level. But I thought this was a guy that was going to break out. Has it been an offensive line problem? Is it Kane trying to find his way back? Why is it the run game for Penn State got going to this point? Well, some of it is offensive line. Some of it also is you have tight ends and Tyler Warren, who is a former high school quarterback, mm-hmm. who's transitioned to tight end. Well, you don't know how to you don't learn how to block when you're a high school quarterback. And that's no offense to Tyler Warren, who has done some really cool stuff. Or Britton Strange, or you know, the tight ends are more pass catchers, so they're still growing and they're blocking. The offensive line has had its struggles. Um, Penn State is, what, 91st in the country in rushing yards, which also doesn't happen, this happens to correlate with them being 92nd in third down conversion rate. And that's one of those issues that Penn State, I always had that issue too a little bit, but also not as much as Penn State, which is definitely a concern because obviously times are changing in football. You don't have the old school three, three yards in a cloud of dust, Big Ten stuff anymore. These offenses are more spread out, as you guys know, but you still got to get that third down. You got to get third and short. 
and that's been an issue for Penn State, and it does start with the running backs. I mean, they have a three-back rotation. They have five dudes who've all played Division One football, including Noah Kane. Is Kane injured a little bit? Maybe he's still hampered. We don't know that. But what we do know is the results, and they have not been what you would expect from a Penn State backfield. And that's something that could be a bugaboo for them against Iowa, who has one of the best run defenses in the country, as you guys well know. Mm-hmm. Nobias Wilborn, Nobias, my last thing for you. It just seems to me that we're going to see this game again, uh, and it may be premature. Like I think Iowa's established himself as clearly the team uh, in the West. Penn State, I think Ohio State is down, especially defensively. I think this is, could be the year that Penn State, or even Michigan maybe, who's maybe better than some thought. But it seems to me like it's very possible we could see this game on the first Saturday uh, in December in Indianapolis. Does it feel like that to you? Well, absolutely, because, I mean, you, you talk about that that Western division. Okay, Minnesota hadn't really impressed me. Purdue hasn't really impressed me. Nebraska, well, they're Nebraska. <laughs> Illinois, you know, Brett Bielema is trying to get together there, but he hasn't. And Wisconsin, they're over to a conference play, and mm-hmm. Penn State already went to Camp Randall and beat yep. them. And Penn State probably should have won that game by more if they converted more third downs. I don't see anybody else in that division that probably is going to touch Iowa. I would say out of the two, Penn State probably has the hardest time because Michigan might be good. Mm-hmm. Michigan State is undefeated right mm-hmm. now. Maryland, you know, I don't know what they are. Rutgers and Indiana, they're at the bottom. But, I mean, the top four teams in the East, I'm on Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, it could be very tight coming down there. But I do see a path for Penn State to come out of the East. I don't see anything stopping Iowa from coming out of the West, barring like some, you know, catastrophe injuries or a COVID outbreak or something. Nabias Wilborn, Nabias, uh, we will reach out to you again if we see that game in December. If not this year, we'll do it next year. We appreciate you coming on, Nabias, because it should be a fun, fun weekend uh, in Iowa City, three o'clock Central Time kickoff on Big Fox. Nabias, thank you. Man, thank you, man. Looking forward to that wave, man. Okay, yeah, see you in person. It's really something. Tobias Wilborn joining us from the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Good good find, TC. Yeah. Good find. Fun conversation and getting that perspective. He's got some concerns with the blocking up front. Mm -hmm. It's not a real recipe for success against Iowa, is it? No, no, it's not. I I still think Iowa's the, the better team. I do, too. Which... It feels crazy to say you're uh-huh. taking on the fourth-ranked team in the country. Right. And it just feels like they're better. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big Franklin guy. I yeah. like James Franklin. Clifford's okay. Dotson, the receiver, uh, good player. That's a scary one. Yeah, because he, he killed Iowa last year. And he gets behind. And that is one thing. Riley Moss, Yeah, they, he'll guess wrong sometimes. Yeah. But he'll guess right a lot of times. He will. We've seen so he far will. this year. Boy, he's having a hell of a year, isn't he? Yes, he is. Uh, we will come back. Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com. Off the Vegas We Shall Go. Have you seen the games he wants to talk? Is Iowa Penn State on the list? Uh, you sent it to him. I just saw the top of the list, actually, when you sent it. Uh, got Oklahoma, yes, Texas they are. in there. Yes, oh, they yeah. are. Penn State, Iowa. What's we'll Kenny get a White's gambling take? preview of it. Absolutely. Uh, Cappy kicks off our number two, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, coming up at 1130. We're Miller and Condon. We're here until noon. Glad you're with us on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 10. Welcome back, Lauren Condon. 
1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Let's go to Vegas, shall we, where there is a massive, massive convention going on. Has to do a lot with sports wagering and casino gaming. Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com. Kenny, are you appearing at G2E this week? No, I am not, Ken. Uh, it's, uh, it is amazing convention, though, you're oh, right, really but, uh, with all the new gambling. Yeah. But no, I'll be home working. Okay, I got any. I got NHL, NBA, and college basketball coming up. Oh, so you're into the you're into the go ahead, into the pucks too. I got to pick your brain. Go ahead, Trent. Well, speaking of picking your brain, we we're talking about baseball last night. Fenway, when I was capping the game, I I just didn't put much into home field advantage in baseball. When it comes to the playoffs, is there a bump? Is there a change? Is it all the same over the course of 162 compared to playoffs? When it just pertains to home field. What does that do for handicapping for you, at least in baseball? Yeah, you know, it depends on how good those crowds are and how loud those buildings are because, again, home home field in any sport comes down to crowd noise affecting the officials or the umpires into making an extra cut calls for their team or against the other team. So uh, Fenway's always been about, a, you know, 10 cent. Uh, baseball is the least home advantage of any sport there possibly is, so... Uh, I gave ten cents last night for the Red Sox home field. Hmm, interesting. Are you? How far along are you in the NHL? Do you have a uh, uh, a team that's got a decent price that you're eyeing at this point? No, I do not. Okay. I do not. I'm not. I'm, I, mean, I will be by Friday, but next week uh, okay. the season will be started by the time we talk. But yeah, um, so I'm still in uh, putting ratings together with the teams and the and the first three lines of uh, first four lines of offense and Oof. three lines of defense. Yeah, it's a lot of work, no doubt about it. Well, it I'm is a in, lot of work. I'm eyeing the Islanders, and I was anxious to see if you're in on them. Anyways, let's get to the here and now, and that, after all, is college football. And wow, here we go: Texas and Oklahoma, eleven o'clock Central Time. Uh, it's, it's it's a big game. They're both teams headed to the SEC, but Texas is playing really well, and I'm not sold on Oklahoma. What about you, Kenny White? You're, you're right. Uh, Texas is playing very well. Steve Sarkeesian came into a very good program that uh, the cupboard was loaded with players because Tom Herman did a good job there. He's rubbed rubbed everybody the wrong way uh, on the boosters. You know, this is going to be amazing. If Lincoln Riley is this great of a head coach that he was able to stay vanilla for five games, <laughs> right. for five <laughs> games going into this one because, you know, he knew – he was going to be a double-digit favorite in all these games, and, and not even that, maybe three-touchdown favorite in every game. And if we can just get by those five and then let everything out against Texas, because that's going to be our most difficult game the entire year, uh, it'll be amazing. I, I can't wait to see it this weekend. I, I laid three on Oklahoma, small play, but my, my bigger play is on the over. I really think both offenses will click. Uh, Texas's offenses looked great already. They've, they've shown they can put up points in a, in a hurry. I think this will be a, another offensive explosion. The, the last three games, very big scores between these two. Last year, in the 53-45 and two years ago, uh, 48-45. So they, they score points against each other. Two quarterbacks can score. I, you know, I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Let's go to the second game on the list, A&M Alabama. I love the offseason chat. Jimbo says we're going to beat his ass. Saban responded, what, in golf? <laughs> Just an incredible comment there from Saban. These two guys know each other here. A&M, one of the dis- disappointments of college football, certainly last week, losing to Mississippi State. Bounce back here after a big spot also for Alabama 
and maybe a look ahead. Get what do you got here? A lot of different angles you can take. Yeah, no, there is a lot of different angles. Um, the A and M team, I, I felt good when they lost because I was kind of vindicated of what my rating was to start the year. I had them the thirty first ranked team in, in college football. And they came out number seven. I thought this was the biggest difference of any team they have rated high. Uh, I just was not that high on A&M. Uh, thought their offense was going to be off a little bit. The loss of Kellen Mond was a lot bigger than people thought. Um, and the schedule was so difficult for this team. But now that they've got two losses, uh, they still have one of the best home fields in college football. The crowd's going to be very, very loud in this game. And I think... Off two losses, going to be a very tough practice. This team still has a lot of talent. They are very, very good. They're not great, but they're very good, and they're well-coached. Alabama coming off that Mississippi game, uh, the Lane Kiffin game, basically. Everybody's pointing to that. That big win, now they got this game, and I keep saying it's the year of the upset. This is a prime spot mm. where Alabama may not take A&M as serious as, as they should because it's still a good football team. But they're looking at them saying, oh, we lost to Arkansas, Mississippi State. Oh, this, they're not good this year. Well, we'll walk in there and beat them. I think it's going to be a little different than that. I think it's going to be a very good defensive battle. Interesting. So so a lower-scoring game, yeah, 18 points. The points are more at a premium. So, yeah, I like A&M here in this spot. Interesting. Well, let's go Michigan and Nebraska. Michigan has been one of those teams that uh, surprised a lot of folks. Nebraska, maybe, although it was Northwestern, seemed to turn the corner last week. Uh, Wolverines, what, three and a half, uh, and the totals in the low 50s, if memory serves. Yeah, you said that right. But, you know, it was Northwestern. It was a team that I was very low on, least amount of returning experience in the conference. And, uh, I thought they were one of the weaker teams. Nebraska has done what they've needed to do, though. They they have played, you know, they played at Michigan State. They played them toe to toe. They played at Oklahoma toe to toe. And um, I've improved their power rating over the last couple of weeks. And Michigan's as well. Michigan's has gone up, and Michigan's done what they've needed to do. They've beaten everybody on their schedule. Uh, they looked good doing it, and they looked good running the football. But if they're not able to run the ball, which I think that Nebraska can give them a little bit of a stiffer test this this week in the in the trenches, I think Nebraska's in this game for the long haul, and I, I think taking points here is uh, is worth the value. So I, I took the Cornhuskers here. I took the bait. I'll take the home hmm. home dog getting points. Biggest game in our state, at least as it pertains to rankings, since 1985. It was number one, number two, and that one, Iowa-Michigan here. Number three versus number four, Hawkeyes and Penn State. What do you have? Wow, yeah, what a game. Uh, three versus four, I'm amazed. Uh, but, you know, both these teams have been been that good. Uh Iowa's offense still amazing last week. Maryland made Spencer Petrius look like uh, Peyton Manning. <laughs> I couldn't, I could not believe what I was seeing. I had the game under, and it just seemed like the uh, Maryland could not stop Iowa's offense. Uh, I, the different story this week. We know at home, uh, going to be a little more conservative. Uh, Penn State's defense is far better than Maryland's. Uh, this is going to be a very close game. I think the line is just about right. I actually had uh, Iowa about five points uh, better in this game, but to get the revenge factor, um, Iowa beating Penn State last year in Happy Valley 41-21. So you get a little revenge there, and my line's adjusted back down to two and a half. That's where I think the line is, and it's the right line. But the total, I only had 37. 
And I think this is uh, it fits because of Iowa's defense is just so good. Penn State's not going to take chances, and I, I don't think either quarterback's going to take any chances in this game. So uh, under 41 and a half to play for me. Okay, we have 30 seconds left, Georgia, who I think might be the best team in college football. Well, it's not them, it's Alabama. And, and then Auburn, who, I mean, Bo Nix, the Bo Nix experience is something to be a part of. Um, how do you see this game? Yeah, this is, uh, you're right, Georgia has done uh, a great job recruiting uh, the athletes they have. They, they, I definitely had this team well underrated, that's for sure, to begin the year. I had them the eighth best team in the country, still in the top ten, but my power rating still had them like 14-point difference from Alabama. They're now only three-and-a-half points below mm-hmm. Alabama. Uh, they're they're a you know, one-score game with the best team in the country. Auburn uh, could cause a problem, though, here. Again, the year of the upset, Brian Harrison, very good football coach, I think he's got his team in prime spot, and Bo Nix is far better at home than he is on the road. Um, I thought the line was a little bit high, uh, but then again, I hate betting against top five teams because they do run up scores, but I think Auburn can be in this game. If they if they start to slip late, Georgia probably covers, but I think Auburn will be in it early, so I like Auburn in the first half. Kenny White, KennyWhiteSports.com, Auburn first half. Kenny, I'm sure you got a lot of specials going on this week. Ten seconds, anything you want to highlight? Yeah, the PowerRatings.com is the best deal in sports. Nineteen ninety nine a month. You get the updated projected power ratings for college football and NFL and all the projected final scores. And we're adding the three sports I'm working on right now, NHL, NBA, and college basketball real soon. Same price, nineteen ninety nine a month. Good stuff, Kenny White. Talk to you in seven days. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yep.